You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Partida Partida podcast, the English-speaking podcast about all things Atleti. Quite the week for Atleti. There's so much to talk about, so much to discuss, and uh, starting with the Man City game. Uh, it wasn't the result we were hoping for as Atleti were uh, eliminated from the quarterfinal, uh, but there's so much to be happy about, so much to be proud of, and so much to be optimistic and hopefully look uh, forward to in, in the future. Uh, we couldn't have found a better person to discuss all that than the ever-wonderful Sam Leverage. Uh, welcome back to the podcast, Sam. I'm sure there are plenty of people much better to talk about him than me, but I'm happy to be here. Well, uh, we, we, haven't found, uh, we haven't found him at least, so um, yeah, uh, always an honor to have you on with us. Uh, thank you so much for accepting our invitation. Okay, and thanks very much, Ian. And of course, uh, Emmanuel is here with me as well. Uh, how's it going, Emmanuel? Very good. And you at all? Very well. <clears throat> Very well. So uh, let's get right into it. Uh, let's start, uh, like I said, with the Man City game. And uh, Sam, can you please kick it, kick it off and give us your thoughts about this game? Yeah, well, it wasn't so much a game, more a battle, wasn't it? I mean, the the first half was quite painful viewing. I mean, it was... Not quite like the first leg, but Alice didn't really have much of a threat and 
kind of felt like the tie was already over almost if it was going to be like that for the remaining 45 minutes at half time. But then that second half performance from Atleti was magnificent, probably the best 45 minutes we've seen from Atletico Madrid all season. I mean, they were brilliant and really forced Man City to sit very deep and all Man City could do was focus on defending and trying not to concede, I think, on another day. Atleti could have scored two, three goals. I mean, they had the chances. Correa, Cunha had some great chances right at the end. Could there have been a penalty on Correa as well? And then it all kicked off right at the very end, heading into injury time as well with Felipe sent off. So, I mean, it was just one of those games that was very Atleti. I mean, Atleti had the chances and should have scored them, should have found the goal that would have levelled the tie over the two legs, but it just didn't happen. I mean, the positive is that we could feel proud of, of how Atleti played and, and they did themselves proud in in the effort and the the commitment right down to the final whistle. So if there's a way to go out of the Champions League, it's playing like that. I don't have said it better. And uh, in, in that second half, I think the uh, a neutral would have said that it was a, a role reversal between the two teams. Uh, Man City were the ones sitting deep and, and fighting the pressure. Uh, fighting for their lives, uh, while Atleti were creating chance after chance and dominating uh, the the midfield battle, and uh, of course, in the uh, at the end, uh, also Man City players, uh, you know, started diving, started uh, wasting time, and uh, yeah, it was uh, quite the uh, reversal of roles. Uh, we, I mean, you won't hear it in the English media, but uh, Atleti really. Uh, put Man City out of their comfort zone and uh, played the the tie on their own terms. Yeah, I don't know if you listened to the Spanish football podcast, but Sidlow on there was brilliant and they asked him about the game and he said kind of, oh, deep defending, not getting out of their own half, play acting, time wasting, oh, that was just Man City. Um, and I think that was kind of a good way to describe it. I mean, Atletico looked, if you didn't tell anybody which team was which, you'd probably think that Man City were, were the team in red and white and and the Atletico were the team doing all the, the play acting and time wasting as the English media made so much of after the first leg. And I think it kind of showed just how impressive Atleti were because they did force Man City to play a different way. And, and Rodrigo Hernández after the game said kind of, we don't like to play like this, but sometimes it's the only thing you can do to get the result. And and that kind of showed just how much pressure they were under from Atletico. So I think, I mean, Man City have played some excellent teams. I mean, they played Liverpool quite often recently and I mean Liverpool have given them good games but no other team has made them sit back and defend for their lives quite like Atletico did and they really had to kind of change the way they usually play change their style their philosophy and and just grind out the result in the only way they could which was ironically by effectively copying the Atletico Madrid model uh, yeah exactly and uh, I I uh... You know, a a neutral fan would also uh, ask, uh, like, if he uh, looking at the both legs, uh, why didn't Atletico play like they did in the second half before? Uh, and uh, what what are your thoughts about the game management from from Chelo Simeone? Well, that's a big question, isn't it? I mean, I think I can completely and hundred percent understand why Chelo Simeone set up the way he did for the first leg in Manchester. I mean, I think if you go into that one too open or too offensive, then you risk opening yourself up. And obviously coming back to Madrid with a 1-0 scoreline isn't a bad scoreline at all. If that had been 2-3-0 because Atletico had taken some risks in the first leg, it would have been a different matter. 
then the issue maybe where I would have a bit of an argument with Cholo Simeone would be could Atleti have gone for it a little bit earlier in that tie in the second leg? I think in the first half it was kind of similar defend and focus on keeping the score tight and I think that was important for the first 15-20 minutes to kind of control the game a little bit. But then I wasn't quite sure why Atletico were so conservative, so reserved leading up to half time. I think it almost kind of limited themselves to the last 45 minutes, which Atletico were great and they had the chances. But maybe if they'd had another 20 minutes like that in the two legs, then that goal might have come. So I, mean, I don't think we can hold anything against Atletico. I don't think we can hold anything against Diego Simeone because I think his strategy has worked so many times before. And I think a lot of fans in the stadium were thinking the same thing. And this has worked against Bayern, it's worked against Barcelona, it's worked against some fantastic teams. So let's trust El Cholo and let's just see if it works again. And like I said earlier, I mean, if Cunha or Correa bury one of their chances, then it would have worked again and, and it would be a very different conversation now. Yeah, and uh, well, uh, I I do agree that uh, Atleti are at their best when they play like this, but uh, at the same time, uh, hearing an argument that Atleti should always play like that, uh, I I just don't see it because uh, while it is a brilliant uh, way to play, I just don't see it being applicable uh, for ninety minutes and for you know thirty eight matches a season. Uh, I see it like when when at, when uh, Simeone has tried it uh, before, uh, there are quite quite a few matches in La Liga where he tried to implement that system. Uh, but it left the the defense exposed. Uh, there was no control in midfield, and it just felt like it was missing the personnel to be able to uh, do it uh, on a uh, on a long period instead of just picking the right moment, like he did against Liverpool, like he did against Man City this season, and of course there was the game against Barcelona. Uh, so. Uh, while I do agree that you know uh, Simeone should try maybe to uh, implement the system a bit more often, uh, being able uh, to do it uh, the entire time, uh, all season, uh, I just uh, I f I find it hard uh, with the the uh, current squad. Uh, what 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 do you think of that, Sam? Yeah, and I think just the intensity of it. I mean, this was very much kind of. The Atleti players were pressing very high. I mean, they were all over the place. I mean, I don't think anybody stopped running. I saw Marco Llorente going down with cramp late on. I mean, this Marco Llorente, I think, is probably the fittest man on planet Earth, but he was going down with cramp. I think it just kind of showed the intensity that Atleti were playing with. And you can't ask a squad to do that week in, week out. I mean, this was just kind of a 45-minute burst of playing with that intensity, and it really wore down the, the key men. And, and I think that if you try to do that too often, it kind of is counterproductive you lose more players to injury and and teams grow to know how to exploit the weaknesses that you get from that kind of intensity I think Pep Guardiola wasn't expecting it from Atletico and that's why it worked quite so well but I don't think it's a tactic or an approach that, that Atletico could use all that often and as well I mean the players aren't capable of playing to that intensity I mean one thing is a big Champions League night quarter final with the whole stadium cheering you on Another thing is a La Liga game against Espanyol, for example. I mean, you just can't motivate yourself and, and drive yourself in the same way. So I think it was the kind of performance that you get on a night like that that, that you're never going to be able to do at another time.
yeah, it was uh, everything was clicking, and it, it was the right moment. Uh, Atleti went for it, uh, created chance after chance, just uh, weren't lucky enough to put the ball in the net. Uh, like uh, you said in in your piece uh, on Into the Calderon, uh, which I advise everyone to to give it a read. It was uh, an absolutely brilliant one. Uh, it was either a uh, an Ederson amazing save, it was or uh, like you said maybe a penalty for Correa, uh, just inches wide uh, at times from uh, getting on the end of a cross. Uh, there's uh, there was also the stones uh, block which uh, denied Cunha a, a certain goal. Uh, there are so many chances, and uh, uh, just looking at all the players performing, uh, I don't think there was a single bad performer, uh, especially the forwards. Uh, there was Luis Suarez as well, who ran like we haven't seen since maybe uh, the Valladolid uh, run, uh, which. Uh, ended in a goal that won Atleti La Liga. Uh, so uh, just so much spirit in that performance, uh, so much to to be happy about, like I said. Uh, and uh, Emmanuel, uh, please uh, give us your thoughts about that. Well, I think Sam has it pretty much covered everything. Well, talking about the game, well, like Sam said, Atleti did not really do much in the first half was similar to the game at the Etihad. Um, that was the fact that Cholo. That was due to the fact that Cholo was wary of City's approach because City kind of went for a similar approach like they did against Liverpool, where you have the either Bernardo Silva dropping deep and spraying diagonals to pick out the run of their fullbacks. Then in this case, you had Mares on the one side and you had Cancelo. On the other side, and that kind of man, Atleti went for a five-four-one shape with Griezmann in charge of tracking Cancelo when folding pulls in Lorente. So Atleti, when Atleti had a, had to counter, you had Felix up front alone, and that kind of meant that the attacks did not mean much. But the start to the first half was good in my opinion because I Atleti kind of choose their moment to to press. You have when the City player received the ball centrally. That kind of triggers the press and you have Kondombia all over, Rudy or Gundogan. Then the player will receive the ball at times. And in the second half, well, everything changed because in the first half, you had a little play in a 5-4-1 and you have Felix charging down three City defenders and you know he's always they are always going to pass the ball around him because they have so many perceptions. But in the second half, things changed because it changed to a 5-3-2 with okay playing as a 10 that is aiding Joao Felix in pressing. And that was kind of the thing in that first half. And Koke was the one leading the charge, even though Koke was not very good in that game because when Aliti were in possession, even in the first half, I think the second half, also, he kind of killed some of their chances to create dangerous occasions because he either was too quick with the pass, did not play the pass well, or... He delayed the pass. I think there was a moment, I think the 30, 30 minutes when Aleti had to counter-attack and the ball came to him and the one-time pass to Lemar and Lemar, it's maybe one-on-one, but he then delayed the pass. And all that. But in the second half, Aleti really did great and the intensity was good and Cholo's substitution came out at the right moment because Aleti was on top of City, putting on the pressure and everything was great. But in that game, Aleti's, I think, 
I think we saw a similar thing to that against Espanyol where Aleti were kind of one dimension. Those switches to pick out Luti were kind of predictable because Walker stayed deep. His heat map, he did not really advance much and he was able to handle the switches to Luti. Each time the ball switched to Luti, he does not have a lot of space or space to run into because Walker was always around him. And in my opinion, Aleti were somehow unlucky, but I will not just put it on lock because I do not just in I will not say recent game, but if you watch this the game today, you also watch the city game, you kind of think there's the chemistry between the forward players is not the same as it was last. You have a Puke or someone playing a true ball and no one running for you, a player running and the true ball comes after those type of things. I think those were the one of some of the reasons why Alexi could not have an equalizer because Alexi win the ball back, but they don't really make good use of it. I, for one, thought he was lacking the ball with that is someone to play the ball in behind. But even when he came in, the coordination was not there because there were instances where you had the player taking a shot. I think the case of Korea, but if he could have come down and square the ball, you have two or three options at the center of the penalty box, and that could have maybe been an equalizer. So, all, to, all what, like Sam said, they was not expecting Alexi to press that high, to play at that intensity in the second, but with the fans chanting on, that kind of motivated them to play that way, and that is great. And coming to the question where the part where we talk about Aleti should play that all the way, where it is, like you said, very difficult to play that way throughout the 90 minutes, and knockout games are different from league games because you have kind of a home and away, and those are just two games, and you know what to do to qualify, but in the league, you have 38 games, but I kind of feel like Cholo can can implement this in certain games because he has used this in certain games. I think we have talked about this where he used it against both Rayos and that was good. And say, Aleti are facing difficulties in breaking down deep blocks. Espanyol play five at the back. Aleti struggled with them today. Mallorca did the same. Aleti struggled. So maybe playing, not playing maybe at that intensity, but trying to maybe high press because I believe that system is very effective with Colombia there. Like I seen some people call him an octopus, like it, and now we are defensively solid. So I don't expect us to play at that intensity, but something similar to that, and then I think we will be better because that intensity was not the same, but it had similarities to how Aleti played last year in the mid block, and there were times in which you see them pressing forward and winning back the ball. I'm talking about the person who this where Aleti were almost unstoppable. Very well. Um so uh, moving on, uh, I think uh, we we can all agree that there is uh, there are so many posit positives uh, from the game against Man City than there are negatives. Uh, so, uh, Sam, uh, how much uh, optimism does that uh, give you, and uh, what are your hopes and thoughts on uh, what the future holds for the team? Yeah, I think it does give you plenty of reasons to be optimistic. I think one of the main ones was kind of the unity within the stadium between kind of the fans and the players, the atmosphere was was fantastic. I mean, I was talking to a lot of people about how it was the best atmosphere they've seen since the Calderon. And I think that's important because, I mean, it really kind of helped to bring a bit of unity between the players, the coaching staff, Diego Simeone, the fans, and kind of after the final whistle to see all the players out on the pitch was was a big moment. I think that's kind of one of the biggest positives we can take away from it regardless of the performance or, or anything like that, but just the unity between the fans and the players. So I think this season has been a little bit difficult. I mean, I think the squad themselves, we've seen the reports about the fact they might not be the best of friends between each other. 
and then fans have been quite quick to get on the back of some of these players at sometimes this season. So to, to kind of have that moment of unity, I think is really important long term to to build that relationship and to kind of help Diego Simeone build a a team again because I think this season we too often have looked like individuals rather than a team and I think having that kind of unity with the fans is is a key element of, of getting the feeling of a team back again and uh, yeah speaking of uh, the the atmosphere uh, the, the the game against Man City had it all there was the TIFO uh, at the start of the game uh, there were I think uh, fans stayed uh, until 20 minutes after the the final whistle uh, chanting and singing for the team uh, what was it like uh, being there and uh, you know can you please uh, uh, give us a few words about that yeah it was fantastic i mean like i said the best atmosphere i've been at, at the the metropolitano i mean right from the tifa i mean the tifa was set up to be kind of on show at kickoff and when the teams came out and so on um but Everyone was so up for it. I think the TIFO kind of appeared about five, ten minutes before the teams were coming out of the tunnel when people were singing the club anthem already. Um, then obviously everything with UEFA in the week about wanting to close part of the stadium meant that there was a big whistling and booing of the Champions League anthem when that happened. And then fans just didn't stop singing the whole way through. I mean, even the first half when things were a bit more hard going fans were cheering and chanting the whole way through and I think that kind of carried on into the second half and and everyone was just so on edge that the solution was to to sing and then the the loudest moments of the night were after the final whistle I mean there was there was no doubt about it I mean the last minute or so the fans started to sing the the club anthem and they just stuck with it it kind of went from there and and there was no kind of lull there was no kind of quieting down at the final whistle it was very much kind of a a message to the team that that their fans were proud of them, even if they hadn't got the result that they were going to keep singing. And yeah, 20 minutes after the final whistle, I think it was um, that I started to leave. I know that I wasn't one of the <laughs> the last ones to leave either. There were plenty of people who stayed behind even after that. But around 20 minutes after the final whistle was when most people started to to head out, and the players had already gone down the tunnel. But at that point, yeah, everybody was still singing and and cheering and. I think it was kind of, I saw a few clips, there's a brilliant one from a, a commentator whose name I can't remember now in Brazil, kind of saying this is what football is about, beyond the business, beyond the money. I mean, this is the moment that connects people with their team and their club and why football is such an emotional support sport. And I think that was a perfect summary of kind of what those scenes at the end of the game were showing. Amazing, uh, amazing to uh, have a, a fan base like that, uh, especially uh you know a few days after we saw uh an, an empty camp now uh for uh barcelona uh in the europa league um and uh emmanuel uh, uh I'm, I'm gonna ask you the the same question uh what are uh your hopes and thoughts uh, on the future uh for for this call well going back to what the fans did at the end of the game well that was really emotional because that kind of took me back to my first, the first Atleti game I watched, which was the 4-3 win against Barcelona at the Camp Nou and how the fans kept on singing to the game and after the game. I mean, these fans are really, really, really good. Thinking of what happened at, after the game against Real Madrid in the Copa de Rio final, bring back those memories and, well, it shows you the type of fan Atleti have and they are the fans that 
really connect with the team. They push the team on because if you look at analytics, home games in the Champions League season, not leaving that against the bigger clubs like, for example, that of Liverpool, even that at away at Porto, when needed, you have the fans singing out their voices. That kind of tells the players to give their one. It's things like this that makes some certain players remain at the club. For example, having a fan like that being makes the players feel more comfortable. And as for this season, well, there are lots of optimism. To be honest, we came into this season thinking about the fact that, well, was going to be back to back La Liga, but we are, we are all wrong and things now have gone south and the top four finish is all we can hope for. But it's not going to be very easy. Well, this season has kind of been, I would say, transition season in terms of style because last we kind of saw two versions of Aditi last season and this season we have seen Aditi we have never seen before, a one that cannot defend. And that's probably because Cholo is trying to implement another style, which is probably, which is maybe instead of a mid block or a low block, we have a mid block and a high block and Aditi has been torn apart like for the game at home against Labate. So there are a lot of positivity and I think when Aditi will have finally got things right, then that would be good news for Aliti because, in my opinion, if we had centre backs who could play the ball like the most against City, I think we could cause more damage because there were times in which the switch of play, in which they had to play diagonal balls to pick out the players in white areas, mostly Lodi and Laurentiel, but the, the passes were poor, especially that from Felipe, but that's not his greatest then, even though he had a good game. So I think this summer has, it's, it's, it will be acting a lot from Bata because the squad is really unbalanced and there are a lot of priorities that Liti has to make this summer, but the rumors are seen otherwise. Um, yeah, uh, I think the the biggest hope uh, coming into the summer is uh, not to lose any uh, you know important players and to further uh, strengthen the squad. Uh, like you said, there there are many problems with the current one, uh, especially in defense and uh, you know a, a thin. Uh, midfield, especially uh, only having one defensive midfielder. Uh, so, like you said, there are uh, a lot of rumors. There are plenty of players that Atleti are linked with. But uh, in order to uh, avoid the uh, you know the big sales and uh, to to get any players really, uh, Atleti have to focus on uh, finishing in the top four, qualifying uh, to the Champions League. And uh, today's game uh, was a you know, I think uh, there uh, we're entering that uh, time of the season where every game is a final, and uh, uh, borrowing uh, Zinedine Zidane's words, uh, and uh, I think uh, 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 coming into uh, today's game, uh, a win was absolutely crucial uh, for Atletico. Uh, not only uh, to uh, motivate the team uh, even more, uh, but also because uh, Betis and uh, Lariel uh, had a game against each other and uh, Drew uh, had a nil draw. Uh, so a win against Espanyol was uh, crucial for Atletico to uh, get further away uh, in the top four and uh, a win did come uh, in a very dramatic fashion. Uh, Sam, can you please give us your thoughts about the Espanyol game? Yeah, so again, the first half was kind of a copy and paste of the last three, four games that we've seen from Atletico, where the first half is very dull, few chances for either team, Atletico not looking very attacking at all. And then in the second half, Atletico looked a lot more confident. I mean, injuries to Thomas Lemar and Jao Felix, which are really worrying and not good news at all. 
but they both went off and then Yannick Carrasco and Antoine Griezmann came on and Mateus Cunha came on for, for Salico as well. And those three players kind of changed the game. There was a lot more energy in Atleti's attack. They looked a lot more incisive and, and really found a way to, to cut through. And I think they were fantastic in kind of sparking some life into Atletico. Um, Yannick Carrasco got the, the first goal very well taken, cutting back on himself and firing past Diego Lopez. Then a very bizarre red card, a second yellow card for Jeffrey Gondogbia for a handball where it kind of hit Felipe, then rebounded onto Gondogbia's leg, then round, rebounded off his arm. And somehow that was worthy of a second yellow. And then from the free kick that was won, I mean, Raul de Thomas put the free kick. Well, the less said about Jan Black in that goal, the, the better, because Jan Black was absolutely superb against Espanyol made one mistake and it was that moment where he kind of palms it into his own net almost and then the winner which came in the 100th minute again against Espanyol it seems to be becoming a, a trend but yeah that was a, a corner the, the last kick of the game basically the last chance that Alete had it was a corner Raul de Thomas kind of went in very weirdly with his elbows in front of him and it's just bounced off his arm there and I mean, the ground, everything is so quick, so it's hard to tell. But, I mean, the way that I thought it was a penalty was just seeing Raul de Tomas, who immediately after it hit his arm, kind of threw his arms behind his back. And from his body language, you could tell that he'd kind of conceded something that was likely going to be a penalty. Then it was, what, four or five minutes of a VAR review and eventually got given. And Yannick Carrasco stepped up and superbly taken penalty with the last kick of the game to win it. And, and like you said, it is a big win because Real Betis and Real Sociedad drawing means that that's a two-point advantage that we picked up this weekend, and and that's crucial. I mean, with Real Madrid and Sevilla still to come to the Metropolitano, I mean, there's there's no doubt that Atleti are going to have to play very, very, very well to avoid dropping any points. So I think we will have to expect that Atleti do drop points, and it's just a question of dropping less points than than Betis or or Real Sociedad at this point. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, I think. Uh... Like I said, the the Kondogbia red uh, absolutely farcical decision from from the referee, and I understand it perfectly that uh, it it was a free kick, uh, but you know giving a second yellow for that uh, was a, a a very Spanish ref decision. Uh, I mean, I can't describe it anyway anyway else. Uh, but uh, I think there uh, again, uh, while the first half was terrible. Uh, plenty of positives uh, can be taken from the second half, uh, especially uh, the uh, Yannick Carrasco performance, uh, who has been struggling for uh, quite a while, I think uh, since uh, February, since he uh, pick, uh, picked up COVID. And uh, uh, ever since, he, his uh, performances haven't been uh, the, the usual uh, we, we saw. Uh, I think he, in the first half of the season, he was... Uh, Arguably our best performer, uh, but uh, uh, ever ever since uh, you know his his injuries and all, uh, he's been struggling a lot, and uh, he lost his starting position to to Rena Lodi, uh, and uh, I think uh, last season uh, in the final stretch of the season he was crucial uh, towards the uh, La Liga title. Uh, it felt like he was uh, scoring or assisting uh, every game and. Uh, uh, I think uh, the the Osasuna game, uh, you know, that crazy comeback, uh, perfectly uh, sh showcased that. And uh, uh, if we can recover that 
you know, that uh, Yannick Carrasco for the final stretch this season as well. Uh, I think uh, it, it'll make things very easy, uh, or much easier at least, uh, for Atletico to, to, find, uh, to finish in the top four. Yeah, and I think with Renan Lodi in the form he's been in and Renildo on the left as well, I mean, I think we've got some very strong options down the left-hand side. And so Yannick Carrasco, for me, on his day, is probably one of Aleti's two, three US players. And so to have him back in form would be fantastic. I mean, he made the difference against Espanyol and hopefully he can do that again in the near future. Mm, very well. Uh, Emmanuel, uh, can you please uh, give us your thoughts about, about the game? Like I already said before, Aleti are struggling to break down teams this season and it was on this. That was the case in the first half against Espanyol, who had a very brilliant first half from my point of view. And Aliti were kind of horrible, but well, we have already seen that version of Aliti a couple of times since, so no surprise. But like you said, the, the changes Chulu made at the start of the second half kind of inject pace into Aliti's attack and bringing some creativity. And it's like everywhere, any each time Punya comes on or each time he's on the pitch, it's like Aliti are more fluid at going forward because his runs kind of does a lot for some so for his other attackers because majority of them are bold to fit players while him he he can do well with the ball as fit as we saw the assist he provided for Carrasco but he's also a player who does off the ball runs which is beneficial to the team. Something a little in my opinion have lacked or have let a little couple of times down in certain games. In the game against Espanol well just talk I think the like you say red card for Colombia was really really harsh because I could not understand how he's receiving a second yellow card for that opinion. But it's a Spanish ref decision. But another thing also is due to the fact that Aliti have seven red cards this season and that is really bad. Last season, sorry, this season and that is really bad because talk about last season, I don't think there was any red card and the discipline issues this season have really let Aliti down a couple of times. So against City, because we think I think all this came from preseason. You have a latest preseason match. You have a lot of fights. Was the same against Wolfsburg. Was the same against PSV. So I don't know, but all of these have really let a little down in a couple of games because of some of the attitude of the players. Carrasco's attitude against Wolfsburg. All that where everything started from. And look at there are so many little been involved in so many games where you have had pauses due to the fact that they have been arguing with the opponent or maybe they review all these type of things and. That's really bad. I think Sam even wrote a piece on that in on into the party. Very well. Uh, so you mentioned Cunha uh, and how impactful he's been uh, this season. Uh, I think uh, so far he's uh, an ideal uh, super sub and uh, uh, some have argued that uh, he has earned uh, a, a starting position as well in the team. And this all comes in his debut season. Uh, so, Sam, uh, what are your thoughts uh, about uh, about Cunha and you know this signing in general? Yeah, I really like Cunha. I think he's kind of he brings an energy that nobody else does in the same way within the current Aleti squad. And I think, like you say, I mean, he's kind of developed this reputation almost as a super sub. I mean, kind of what Angel Correa was last season is Mateus Cunha this season, but that's a very difficult position to be in. I mean, now he's obviously very young, but I mean, you look at the Aleti attack and we have kind of so many different attackers, so many forward options, that it's difficult because he can't get that starting spot in the team. And I'd love to see him start more, but it's hard to see how 
Cholo can rotate the squad enough to not be playing Suarez, Griezmann, Correa, Jao, and be playing Cunha. I mean, realistically, his fifth choice, and it's an excellent fifth choice to have. But then you see the club kind of linked to players like Darwin Nunez and that kind of thing. And they're great players, but you wonder, what does that mean for Mateus Cunha? I mean, is he going to get his chance or is he going to be stuck in this super sub role? And if he is stuck in that role, what does it mean long term? Because he's not going to want to spend his whole career being a super sub. But I really like him and I think he'll really kick on and push on and hopefully we can, can see him get even better. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see uh, in the summer. Uh, but like I said, everything uh, in the summer revolves about, around uh, Atleti getting the, the top four position. Uh, however, uh, I think uh, uh, the uh, there, there's going to be a departure, uh, definitely, for Luis Suarez. It doesn't look like he will be, uh, his contract will be renewed. And uh, Atleti... Uh, while uh, this uh, two second strikers and playing with a shadow striker uh, has been working out for, for Atletico, uh, I think a, uh, some games you do need a, a, uh, a center forward, a, a pure number nine. Uh, maybe when chasing a game, uh, you start, uh, you know, passing and hoping uh, he, he can get to the end of it or... Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, uh, he, he can be the player, the difference maker. Uh, so while uh, some have speculated that uh, Cunha can develop into that sort of player, uh, Atleti are linked with plenty of players uh, that, you know, are pure number nines. Uh, so uh, we'll have to see uh, whether Cunha can uh, develop uh, from a second striker uh, type player to a uh, to a pure number nine, or if Atletico are uh, actually going to go to the market and uh, sign a- another player. Uh, so uh, do you think, based on what we have seen from Cunha this season, that he can, uh, does he have the uh, what it takes to be uh, a, a, a number nine, a pure number nine? I feel like maybe he's not a pure number nine, but I think this is part of the the debate, the problem that Atletico have at the moment is that Diego Simeone teams have worked best when they've had a number nine who's been kind of a target man. I mean, you think of kind of Diego Costa, even kind of Mario Mandzukic, these kinds of players. And they're kind of the target man number nine who's very physical, who will hold the ball up and then invite others to play. And I think Cunha would work very well alongside a player like that, but he's not that player. And so I think that's where it will kind of come down to in the next few weeks, months this summer to see what Atleti do, because I don't think Griezmann is that player, I don't think Jao is that player, I mean Atleti have many forward options, but they're all this kind of second striker profile and so it's very difficult to see how Cholo, how um, Andrea Berti wants to, to build this squad and, and what they want to do but I think Cunha is an excellent forward and definitely one that Atleti can use going forward in the future, so I think it depends on what Cholo wants to do to build up this squad and how he wants to kind of profile everything around the attacking options that he has. If he's happy with what he is, what he's got now, and wants to kind of work with Cunha as a number nine, or if he wants to bring in kind of a target man profile like we've seen so often in the past. Yeah, and uh, another player uh, I'd like to discuss, uh, another player having his debut season uh, is Rodrigo de Paul, uh, who I think started the season brilliantly, and I had very high hopes for him. Uh, 
but ever since he's been a kind of a moments player, uh, he's had amazing performances, uh, but he hasn't been able to replicate it uh, consistently. Uh, so, uh, what 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 do you think of uh, uh, Rodrigo de Paul, uh, Sam? Oof. Trying to think how I can wear this without being too mean or harsh or negative. Rodrigo de Paul in his first few appearances this season really excited me. I felt like this was kind of the the player with the vision, the passing ability that Aleti had been missing. And that he had kind of the hard work, the the defensive side of his game that he could do the, the necessary duties in the Diego Simeone team. And then as the season's worn on, I think every time I've seen him, he's been a bit worse than the season before. And I think part of that is just there's an element of confidence. I think that he's obviously in his past, in his career, he's never been at a club as big as Atletico. He's never had so much importance within the squad. And I think he's almost too desperate to prove himself. When he comes on as a substitute, he's kind of looking to play a 50, 60 yard pass when he doesn't need to. And and he just plays the ball out of the pitch. I mean, needless waste of possession. And then he's trying to, to find the assist for the winning goal. And he forgets about his defensive duties in behind. And I think he do have a problem with Rodrigo de Paul because I think in there there's a talent, but I think it's a typical kind of situation of a player who's very good when he's the centre of attention, when he's the star of a team. But at Atletico, he's not the star of that team. He has to element because, I mean, we've seen with other players, Tomo, and I think it took Thomas Lamar one, two, maybe in, into his third year until he really kind of set but when he did settle, he's kind of shown what he can bring to Atleti. Uh, it's it's a very curious case uh, for Depaul because uh, we we have seen him excel uh, for for Argentina uh, despite you know uh, a lot of big names being present in the team, uh, namely Lionel Messi. Uh, so uh, I think it's it's a very curious case for for Depaul not being able uh, to you know be that kind of, that same type of player. Uh, for Atletico as he has been for Argentina. Uh, and like I said, I think we have seen it, that we have seen some amazing performances from him. Uh, but uh, like you said, uh, there, there were also plenty of uh, performances that, you know, they were very subpar for, from him. Uh, so uh, I, I just, I just like to think that uh, it's him not being fully settled yet and, uh, you know, hoping for uh, the the same Argentine the the same player we see for Argentina you know uh, showing up more often for for Atletico. Yeah, I mean fingers crossed. I think he does have the potential to be excellent for Atletico, but I think yeah, I think he just needs some time to adapt. And and this season has been a very difficult season to adapt. And I think he's found it difficult to integrate into the squad and so on. So hopefully with time that will get a bit easier and. And I think next season will be decisive if he's still kind of how he is now in a year's time. Then we will need to talk about whether Atletico keep hold of him or what they do with him. But I think kind of he's he's got enough on his side, enough positives to to give it another year and see how he does. Um, uh, so Emmanuel, uh, uh, can you uh, would you like to add anything to to, to what Sam said? No, I think Sam have said pretty much everything. Very well. Uh, so, 
uh, as we have uh, mentioned a lot, uh, the top the race for the top four uh, is uh, Atleti's last thing uh, to focus on this season. Uh, they find themselves right now uh, level on points with Sevilla, who are playing Real Madrid right now, uh, and uh, three points ahead of Real Betis, uh, five points ahead of uh, Real Sociedad. Uh, but uh, as we have mentioned, uh, their uh, five last games will be very tough. You've got games against uh, Sevilla, uh, against uh, Real Sociedad, against Real Madrid. Uh, so, uh, Sam, do you think they have enough? Uh, do you think? Uh, what, what do you think of Atleti's chances to qualify to, to the Champions League right now? Uh, I think Atleti will qualify. I think. You know, this is this is a Diego Simeone Atletico Madrid team. I mean, they always find a way, no matter what happens, they will find a way to to get there. But I don't think it's going to be easy. I think it's going to be a difficult journey. I think what could make it better is Sevilla, Betis, Real Sociedad easing off, dropping away, rather than Atletico necessarily winning every game that has left. I think Sevilla the last few weeks, I mean, we've seen them drop from second down to third and and they're playing Real Madrid as we speak, but I mean, you know, Sevilla are a team who, who might drop points against the weaker teams and start to fade away even, and, and that would give Atletico a bit more of a comfort room. Um, but Betis and Real Sociedad, I mean, Betis have got the Copa del Rey final as well. Let's see how they get on with that. I mean, the midweek round coming up is going to be tough for them to, to be thinking about the cup final coming up as well. Then the cup final, I mean that could have an influence on the rest of their season. I mean, if if it's a win, do they take their eye off the ball and are not focus quite so much? If it's a loss, does that affect their confidence? It's very hard to tell. Then Real Sociedad, Real Sociedad, I think, are a good team, but I don't think they're a serious threat for fourth place. I think they're a team that can grind out results, but I don't see them winning enough games, winning convincingly to be able to do that. So I think... Atletico for me are the big favourites to be to be top four, but I don't think we can take anything for granted even at this late stage of the season, especially with with Real Madrid and Sevilla Sevilla still to play. Very well, uh, Emmanuel, uh, what do you think of the race with top four? Well, it is flows and like Sam said, with Betis form deep going, Betis having a deep in form and Real Sociedad. They are kind of unpredictable, especially in the second half of the season. And like you said, the games are coming thick and, thick and fast. And you don't know what will happen, but I think the way the top four is, it may stay that way. But I don't really see a lady finishing higher than fourth. But well, they make the top four. So that's my opinion. Very well. Um, so, uh, like, like I said, there will be a La Liga game midweek this, uh, uh, this week, and Atleti will uh, face Granada. Uh, Emmanuel, uh, what, what do you think of this matchup? Well, Atleti has have taken 10 out of 27 points against the current bottom five, so that tells you a lot. Granada these days are kind of like being Santa sharing points here and there because it seems like it's easy to beat them. But we know when these teams face Aleti, it seems as they are playing, they are playing at their best. But that's not just it is also Aleti's due to Aleti's due to the fact that Aleti cannot break down Z blocks and the rest. Mm -hmm. 
looking at this game, like I said in the Bayoka game, it should be another easy game for Aleti, but one never knows which type of Aleti we are going to see. The Aleti that is starting in possession and give up a lot of chances from set pieces or counter-attack or the Aleti that is we saw in the second half against Espanyol that is free-flowing. But I think Granada, from all from the look of things, Granada are one of the candidates who are favorite to go down this season. So I'm and given the pressure that is on Aleti and I'm sure Cholo is going to rotate and hopefully Cunha starts. I think he didn't start last time, like I said, against Espanyol, but hopefully he starts this time and like I said against Mallorca, hopefully he starts this time and Aleti get all three points because the defeat against Levante and against Mallorca really made the, the race a little bit more open given if either Sociedad or Rather, Real Sociedad or Betis can catch up to Aleti. Aleti are in danger because you have Barcelona we are, who have a, two games in hand and Aleti scoring the same points to Aleti. So that is like a most winning game. And like you said, it's already at the stage where every game is a final. Where for Aleti, every game is always a final. It's already a party to a party to So we take it one game at a time, starting with that against Granada until the end. Well, if, uh, if we learn anything from this season, uh, is that there, there are no easy games for Atleti. Uh, so uh, this uh, sort of uh, suffering, uh, uh, the uh, it's it's in Atleti's blood, and uh, yeah, there there are no easy games. Uh, we we'll just have to uh, cross our hands and uh, see if Atleti can uh, pick up another win against Granada. Uh, Sam, uh, would you like to add anything to to Ali Manasan? Yeah, I mean Granada is going to be a big game, I think. That's a, a good one to see where Atleti really are. I mean, Espanyol were a team who weren't playing for anything on Sunday, and I think they were prepared to kind of sit deep, defend, and try and get a draw. Granada are going to be desperate to get a point, and really they need three. So I think it's going to be an interesting one to see how Atleti managed to break them down. I mean, this is a team that is conceding goals all over the place, and they have been for a few months now. So if Atleti struggle to break down Granada's defence in midweek, then I'm going to be a bit more concerned. If they do kind of find a way to break them down, then then that would be a much more positive. I mean, even without Jar Felix or even without Thomas Lamar, Aleti should be in a, a comfortable position by half-time in that one. If they're not, then, then maybe we should start to worry. Very well. Uh, so this brings us to the end of today's episode. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. No, thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure uh, to have you. And of course, Emmanuel, uh, thank you for, uh, for joining me as well. Well, it's always a pleasure. And uh, yeah, uh, thank you guys uh, as well for sticking with us. Remember, and see you in the next episode.